Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Our gospel reading today is actually uh, an appropriate gospel for New Yorkers because as New Yorkers, uh, we, like Nathaniel, tend to be skeptics. One must have a healthy dose of skepticism to, to make it in this city on one level. Uh, the difficult commutes, the crazy rents, uh, the hard work hours, the insane people in general. And so skepticism protects us as New Yorkers from taking that deal which is obviously too good to be true. It kind of keeps us wise in this city. Now, I've read this gospel a number of times, and, uh, and I love the fact that it begins by saying, Nazareth, what good could possibly come from Nazareth? Because it gives it a real earthly quality. If this was fake news, if this was a made-up story or a legend, when Philip found Nathanael and said, we found the Messiah, Nathanael's response, because we tend to be so vain, would have been like, absolutely, let's go find him, and we're all going to partner with God and change the world. But Nathaniel doesn't do that, because he's a New Yorker, probably, and he's a skeptic. And his friend Philip says, we found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. And the skepticism that Nathaniel brings to the table is warranted, because Nazareth was a nothing place. It was way up in the north of Israel. It's never mentioned, actually, by Moses and the prophets. And historically what had happened in the north of Israel, in Nazareth, in that area, was that Gentiles had settled there. And the Romans used it as a garrison town, so there were all sorts of Roman soldiers everywhere. And uh, you know what comes with Roman army bases. I don't know either, you tell me. But uh, um, the, uh, the point is, is that it was a bit of a shady place. And therefore, in a place where religious and ethnic purity was absolutely everything, the Judaism practiced in Nazareth was uh, seen as questionable by most Jews, especially those Jews living in Judea and Jerusalem. Seriously, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Yet despite Nathaniel's preconceived notions and pride, he goes on to meet Jesus anyway. And there's a lesson here for us, for us skeptics to take away. There's a huge difference between skepticism and cynicism. Skepticism can lead one to investigation. Skepticism can actually be a great tool used by the Holy Spirit you know, to teach us something. Maybe I'm wrong about a person. Maybe I'm wrong about this particular situation or idea, and I need to discover the truth. As opposed to cynicism, which uh, tends to be the result of the hardening of life brought on by human sin. Cynicism actually longs to remain blind to any other possibility that one could be wrong, and is therefore judgmental and critical about everything except the self. You see, the cynic, he fails to move beyond his preconceived notions, because the cynic is so busy trying to protect and save themselves and their worldview. The cynic fails to realize the possibility of beauty and truth, mercy and grace in something, and in this particular case, someone they don't understand. And this is my first point. There is a difference between skepticism and cynicism. 
It's a fine line, but skepticism can lead to investigation where cynicism desires to stay put with its eyes closed. Speaking about myself and maybe you today, it's really easy to become cynical about a lot of things, especially in this political day and age. My cynicism is birthed by the simple pat answers to major problems and the frustrations in my own life that don't come with simple answers. And what happens to me is that cynicism can, can dull my curiosity. And I become deafened and blind to the major, because of the major letdowns in life. However, it's actually in that place, in those places where I don't think anything good could come out of them, that I might, and maybe you if you're with me, might be able and be ready to receive what Jesus actually has to offer. The gospel, which gives hearing to the deaf and sight to the blind cynics in all of us. This is what my mentor, the Reverend Dr. Paul Zoll, calls the Nazareth principle. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of an African-American pastor named Martin Luther King in the 1960s? Can anything good come out of Syria? Can anything good come out of 2017 with Charlottesville, Las Vegas? Some would say this presidency. The Nazareth principle, though, reminds us, because it's flip-flop sense, it's the gospel. The Nazareth principle reminds us that while we may not have the answers to all those questions right now, with God, the answer is always unequivocally yes. The Nazareth principle reminds us that God is actually always at work for the good. And he's actually acutely speaking to us in those broken places and in those unlooked places of our lives, the places we've become most cynical about. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of the broken areas of my life? Can anything good actually come out of this church? Can anything good come out of a little bread and wine? This is how the Nazareth principle works. And this is my second point. And I'd like you to really think about it today. Where's your Nazareth? Where and what are you skeptical about? Where and what are you actually cynical about now? The Bible would tell us to let go at those moments and listen. For it's in that place that you'll hear the Holy Spirit actually begin to speak clearly to you and pronounce the gospel over your life, that your sins are forgiven. It's in those places right now that you'll hear the Holy Spirit say, be assured of my never-ending love in Jesus for you. You'll hear the Holy Spirit say that I will never leave you or forsake you. That's the Nazareth principle at work. And Jesus, from the place that Nathaniel thought was a total joke, cuts right through Nathaniel's skepticism and draws out this confession Rabbi, you are the Son of God. 
the king of Israel. Nathanael saw, heard, and believed. And in a moment, gathered around this table, we will taste and believe. But still today, Jesus cuts through our skepticism. Still today, he breaks through our cynicism and draws that same confession out of us. And how does he do that? How does he do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, The passage here, you have to dig into it. It's chalked. A lot of people think that this is just an addendum to uh, John chapter 1. Um, uh, uh, the uh, postlude, if you will, to uh, John chapter 1, and nothing could be further from the truth. This passage is actually chalked full with Old Testament imagery that a lot of people miss. But John doesn't want you to miss this biblical profundity because this interaction uh, shows us how God breaks through our lives to speak to us in our most cynical and skeptical places. And I want to highlight two Old Testament images found here for you today so that you'll understand the Nazareth principle and how God works in our lives. Our reading here tells us that Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said, Aha, here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Now, I want you to hang on to that. But Nathanael then asks, Where did you get to know me? Can you imagine that? Coming down the road, meeting this guy you think is going to be a total joke and a fraud. And he says, aha, in here is an Israelite. Here's an American in whom there is no deceit. And uh, Nathaniel says, how did you get to know me? And Jesus answers, I saw you under the fig tree. For before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Now, the fourth century bishop of Hippo, Augustine comments that many ancient Jews believed that the tree by which humankind fell in the Garden of Eden was not an apple tree, but was a fig tree. And to be under the fig tree was to be under sin. To be under the fig tree was to be separated from God. Jesus saw Nathanael there, and indeed Jesus sees the whole human race there under that fig tree. And before you could ever make yourself better, before you even knew him, Jesus knew you, and Jesus comes to you so that you might encounter God in all of his grace and all of his mercy. Just as you are without any plea. And Nathanael goes, holy moly, that is amazing. And he says, you are the son of God. You are the Messiah. And Jesus says, you're impressed by that. Well, you haven't seen anything yet. And he says that because we're just at the beginning of the gospel here. Nathaniel, you're going about to see me change water into wine. You're about to see me walk on water. Nathaniel, you're about to see me heal the sick and raise the dead. Nathaniel, you're about to see me raise from the dead. And the same is true with all of us. We have not seen anything yet here at Calvary St. George's. And this brings us to the second image that Jesus tells Nathaniel. Very truly I tell you, you will see heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. It's interesting that Jesus says this, very truly I say to you. Because at this moment in the passage in the Greek It shifts from second person singular. He's not just talking to Nathaniel anymore, but second person plural. 
And it does this because Jesus is about to tell Nathaniel, he's about to tell Philip, and he's about to tell you and I the gospel, the one word that divinely speaks to our skepticism and cynicism. Remember Jesus' comment about Nathaniel, Behold an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. These two are connected. This statement would have hearkened everyone back, every first century Jew who knew their Bible, to Genesis 28. And in Genesis 28, the patriarch Jacob, who's on the run for stealing his older brother Esau's blessing, has a dream from God of a ladder from heaven to earth, with angels of God ascending and descending upon it. And Jacob hears the voice of God in that moment, in the desert, on the run, when everyone should have abandoned him, everyone should have said, you are a thief and a liar. And God comes to him and says, in your offspring, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What? What? Shouldn't he have said, Jacob, you're really bad, and you got a lot of work to do? No. No. Because our God is the God who saves skeptics. Our God is the God who saves cynics. And our God is the God who saves sinners. And this is my third point. How does God draw the confession out of us? He draws the confession out of us through the good news of the gospel. That not only do you have a God who in Christ has come to you under the fig trees of your life, But we have a God who by offering himself up on another tree, the cross, blesses all the families of the earth. And in that functions as the ladder and the bridge that closes the gap between heaven and earth and bridges the gap between God and you. We have a God who in Jesus there is no deceit. And by virtue of his atoning sacrifice has the power to make us skeptics has the power to make us cynics, indeed Israelites, his people in whom there is no deceit. So gather around this table today and taste and see and know that the Lord is good. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.